This is a series, a series for financial advisors. We offer easy to implement marketing and practice management advice. This is The Stephen and Kevin Show. Getting into a core Oxley topic today, we're talking about the personal introduction. Yeah, we've talked about this topic for quite some time. We're revisiting it today and giving it a little bit of a technology update. Yeah, it's been an interesting year. Uh, Technology has played a big part in that, and we'll address some of that today, but really a deep dive into how do you get someone in your life, a client, a friend, a center of influence, to connect you with other people. Exactly, right? And how do we have that credibility transfer when they make that connection, which is really the magic of introductions, is someone else is vouching for you when they make that introduction happen. And the reason I think over the years we've gone into this topic time and time again is that we've seen the the effectiveness of it, but also we want people moving away from the mentality that referrals just kind of happen. We know referrals and word of mouth is the way that people grow, still primarily today, but we want to be able to influence that in a really direct way, and introductions give us that ability. Yeah, and in a way, it's forcing the hand of word of mouth. Right. right? I'm so, not going to wait around for referrals. I'm saying, hey, I want to meet this person. So I know a few of the things that we want to talk about today are around how do you uncover some introduction targets? How do you make that request of a client or friend of yours? How do you actually execute on this? And finally, if we have a little bit of time for it, let's talk about some metrics. How do you, how do you make sure this is happening with some sort of regularity? Perfect. I, I feel like the first step before we get into any of those is going to be assessing the relationship. So thinking about who you want introductions through and saying, what type of relationship do I have with that person? So for example, if Steven is my client and we have a very businessy relationship and I'm going to you and I'm asking for you to introduce me to other people. Uh, it feels a little off-putting, right? Well, it feels like, hold on, Kevin's never taken me to lunch before. Why does he want to go to lunch with me and my friend? Right. Right. It feels very much like a marketing technique as opposed to an extension of stuff that we're already doing. Yeah. Right. So I'm with you on that. And I think it, if we broaden our, uh, our scope on this away from just clients, we're thinking about clients of ours, friends of ours, centers of influence, all people who like and value us as a person. Mm-hmm. These are those uh, kind of people that would be willing to help us out. Exactly. So we want to think about, okay, who are the introducers in this scenario? And then what type of relationship do we maintain with them? And is it just business? Is it business and social? And if it's just that business right now, then we need to go ahead and start working on that relationship first. Yeah, we've got to increase their desire to want to help us out. And if we haven't taken the time to get to know them personally, go out for lunch or dinner or drinks, have them to a client event, why do they want to go out of their way to help us out? Yeah. Right. So we build some of that. And I think for a lot of financial advisors out there, it may take going through your top 25 or your top 50 clients just to assess where do I stand with these people? When was the last time maybe that I went out and done something with them out of the office? Right. That's, that's a really good point. I, I remember I was working with a financial professional years ago who had really beaten up his clients asking for referrals. So saying, hey, who do you know who's like you? They know that, that typical language. And, um, and he liked the idea of introductions, but I feel like he just went prematurely right into it. He had been begging for referrals. Now he's going to go for introductions, which is basically identifying people that they know and sourcing names and whatnot. And he said he took one of his clients out, um, little you know, old lady, widow, to, to lunch. And he said, hey, I'm going to start doing this. And the first thing she does when she sits down with him is she says, hey, John, whatever the advisor's name is, I'm really sorry, but I don't have any referrals for you today. Right? But she, he didn't have the right type of relationship with that client. That's right? got to be a low point of your career. I feel like it. He said he said he just felt deflated after that, you know, lunch or whatever. Um, but yeah, you have to think about that relationship. Do they want to help you out? Do you have a social relationship with them too? 
And that's a core part of this. Well, and I think the byproduct of that through a ton of the data that we have is that when you build that kind of relationship, people go out of their way to help you out. So it's not only you specifically asking for introductions from them, they're gonna refer, refer you more freely anyway. Right. right. So a lot of good behavior there. If you're that guy who's overly pitched people over the years to send you referrals, you've got some repairs to make yeah. before you can execute on a lot of what we're gonna be talking about today. Perfect. So, so step one, what? Assessing that relationship. What does it look like? Step two of the process, and this is this is really what differentiates referrals and introductions, a big differentiator anyway, is that we're going to identify people that we want to know, right? We're going to source names. Matt Oxley has called it source names for forever since I've started at Oxley. Uh, and that's that's going to be some intelligence gathering. Yeah, a little detective work, which is easier now than ever with social media. Sure. But also conversationally, you talk about your clients' lives all the time. Yeah. Let's go a step deeper and uncover who they're spending time with, whether it is recreationally, through their kids, through their church, through their country club. They spend time with people who would probably make good clients for you, and we can do a little bit of detective work to uncover specifically who these people are and how they spend time with our clients. So it comes down to being a little nosier, asking the right types of questions. Right, so if you're coming in, you're my client, and you're saying, and I'm asking you, hey, what'd you do over the weekend? Or what do you have planned this summer? And we get into a dialogue, at some point I might pivot and say, oh, who'd you do that with, right? But it shouldn't be so obvious to the client that they feel like, whoa, Kevin's like probing me here, like <laughs> so this was who weird. Who do you uh, play golf with? Exactly, okay. yeah, it can't uh, be like that. What is uh, his occupation? You know? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I think you have to be a little bit covert with it, which, which means both asking good questions that seem natural, being a little bit nosy, but also not pouncing on the information that you uncover. True. So let's say that I uncover that you were out and uh, we'll go with a far-fetched one. Let's say you were in a running club. Let's say that you were in a running club and I wanted to figure out who you're spending time with there. If I uh, find out that you're running with Dr. Such and Such every morning and I'm like, oh boy, that uh, seems like precisely the kind of person we can help you're gonna be a little bit reserved in conversation with me going forward. I'm also like, feel, it feels very, I'm gonna be apprehensive to make that intro because it feels salesy, like you wanna pounce on it, you wanna jump on that opportunity right away. Yeah, next time we have that conversation and I'm asking about the running club, you're gonna be like, yeah, just some people around here. You know, you're gonna be a little right. bit on board with me. Right. So I want this to feel like a natural extension, like who typically goes out there with you, right? And I might catalog that in my mind and later in CRM, but for right now, we're just fact finding. And think about that exercise both conversationally and uh, you know through social, Kevin, where would you gather, if you're gonna give somebody advice on where to gather names in social media, where would you go? Yeah, I mean, obviously LinkedIn, and we would be running a connections of search through LinkedIn, which is, you can do it just for, with the free version of LinkedIn, going to the search functionality, going connections of, putting in your client's name, and then applying some filters to identify people that kind of fit your client avatar, right, in terms of who you would be targeting. And by the way, like that's something, what I, what I like about that process is it's super repeatable. And most of my coaching clients who implement this strategy of LinkedIn introductions, which is very similar to traditional introductions, just gathering the intel through LinkedIn, is that they make it a process. So it's during every review meeting, I'm gonna do some, some reconnaissance on LinkedIn and inquire about some people. They don't always land in the perfect introduction opportunity, but they use LinkedIn to gather the intel. It's like the simplest way to use LinkedIn and nobody does it. Yeah. I would say that you can make it really natural too. For one, 
most people don't care if you reference that you found something through LinkedIn. Right. Like it's what the network is for. So you don't have to be super shy about it. But if you want it to be the most natural possible way, if you were coming into my office, I was the financial advisor and I had done a little bit of homework in advance. I've looked through your LinkedIn, uh, some of your more recent posts, and I uncovered a few people who engage with you regularly. Right. There's a pretty good chance that you know them outside of LinkedIn. This is a closer contact of yours because they comment on many of your posts. Yeah. And that would be really natural of me as the financial advisor to say, hey, Kevin, I noticed such and such commenting on your post. What's their story? How do you know them? I like that. So what you're doing is even going deeper and saying, let's look at clues on the network that gauge depth of relationship so if they're engaging with each other's content, if they recommended each other, if they've um, endorsed each other, like those are clues that give us an indication of they actually might know them beyond just being a connection on LinkedIn. Yeah, people nowadays have thousands of connections and right. it's a needle in a haystack. So, so let's say that we have accomplished this, which is like an everyday process. Every day we are gathering names linked to our clients so that ultimately, whether you track this on paper or in CRM or a spreadsheet, you've got a, a web of contacts around every one of your contacts. That is great uh, information to have yeah. for use in one-to-one -one introductions, for use in client events that we, we talk so often about. What do you do with it? Right. Well, before we even do that, I want to like, I just, I want to talk about the team component of sourcing names because sometimes we think that it's only the financial advisor's responsibility, but this can really be a team thing, right? Yeah. yeah. So when you think about that, like how, how would you, what teams have you worked with Stephen where they've incorporated this into their process and how do they do it? Well, I think partly it is educating everybody on the team about what the expectation is. Yeah. That we're not asking you as the planner or That's, as the administrative assistant to sell. We're just saying, ask good questions, yeah. take notes. Yeah. And that's all we need. And so if you're tracking this kind of behavior, you're going to get more of it. Sure. So if we are every week at our team meeting discussing the number of names that we've uncovered linked to our good clients or centers of influence, that's a good habit. And people don't want to show up to the meeting and feel a little bit embarrassed that they hadn't scored any points. Right. Right. And, and I, I just wanted to bring that up just because I know that if you make it a team goal, you're going to see a lot more of it. And, and, and the advisor doesn't always have all those interactions with the client, right? And sometimes other people on the team could be sourcing names and supporting the whole process. Yeah, I think two things happen. Number one, yeah, you get a whole lot more names that yeah. way. But number two, when everybody is aware of this initiative, it's there, there's more accountability on the financial advisors on the team to execute on the ask. Yeah. Right, if, it's, if this is an initiative That's that lives point. within you as the financial advisor, and you're uncovering names and you're supposed to ask to be introduced to people, the second part of that equation can be a little bit uncomfortable. So a little bit of added accountability that this is a team initiative is gonna make the difference sometimes of whether or not you make that uncomfortable call or not. I like that perspective a lot. So that it's, so if if someone on the team, you know, sourced the name and now I'm the advisor and I need to ask like, there, it feels like I need to make it happen. They they did the work, the legwork of sourcing the names. Now I need to make sure that it comes to fruition. Yeah, like you go a few weeks of, of reporting in on this on team meetings. Yeah. yeah, we gathered this, well, what are we doing all this for? Yeah. Right, are we, are we seeing some new business from it? Perfect. So, ready to move on? Yeah, let's uh, move on. Let's, so, so, let's talk about execution. This is like the core of this, right? We're not just detectives. We're not just gathering names. We want to proactively get in front of our clients' friends. Exactly. But I've seen advisors stop there. Like, I've seen advisors, I've worked with plenty of coaching clients who are masters at sourcing names, but then they don't do this, this third step of the process, which is where the rubber meets the road. It's because it's a little out of comfort zone. Well, we build it up in our minds of all the what ifs. Yeah. Like I'm asking someone who's close to me for a favor. What if they say no? What if they think less of me? Right. 
you know, there, there's a lot of what ifs that we play out. And the, the point that we try to make to people, just because we've seen this process work so many times over the years, is that you've got a whole bunch of people who really value you as a friend mm-hmm. and as a financial advisor. And when you ask them for a favor, 99 times out of 100, this is not Oxley data, this is Stephen Math here. 99 <laughs> it didn't times. Sound, it didn't sound very exact when you say 99 out of 100. Let me, yeah. 97% of the time. <laughs> um, but no, you, you really yeah. have a lot of fans and they yeah. want to help you out. And when you ask them for a favor, not only will they help accommodate that request, you've made it known to them that you have interest in building your network. And so they go out of their way to connect you with other people as well. Sure. So when it comes to the ask, ideally, you know, do we send a message through LinkedIn? I mean, like when you think about the, the different hierarchy of, of making the request, ideally we would say we want to do it face to face, right? That would be an ideal scenario, right? I ask you face to face, could you introduce me to um, your neighbor, Jim? And you've mentioned Jim plenty of times. I'd love to meet Jim, right? Like I'm going to make that request face to face in an ideal scenario. But we've seen over the past year and a half a big switch and a big change over to email introductions, right? Because face to face just is not always feasible, especially in, in the, over the past year and a half. Yeah, and they both have merit. Like going forward, we wouldn't rule out one or the other. We're not to say that like digital is here and forget the face to face game or vice versa. It is let's use them, you know, uh, let's use them for what they're best for. All right. Mm-hmm. So I would make the case that the email introduction is more business focused. Yep. Right. Because it is what it is. You're having just let's go through that concept first. What is an email introduction? So if if I am the financial advisor and you're my client and I want to meet your business partner, I may go to you and say, hey, we've you know, we've talked a lot about you and your business and I hear so much about your business partner. Would you be willing to introduce us if if nothing else through a joint email yeah. connecting the two of us? Like for you, that is, you know, a pretty simple ask. I'm not asking you for a whole lot, but it is more business focused. Right. I'm not saying, hey, let's all go out for a round of beers, right? right. Um, and and so I'm and I think there's some magic though in what you just said. So I want to like highlight. You said a joint email, right? You're not saying, hey, would you email them, right? You're saying, hey, you're basically implying I want to be copied on that email, right? And send a joint email including everyone and introduce me that way, which. From my perspective, being the client is very easy to accomplish. I mean, it's going to take me all of five minutes to yeah. craft an email. Stephen meet Jack. Jack meet Stephen. It's easy. You two should hit it off. It's easy. Um, and so thinking about yeah the use case, so that's more business inclined. I, I you feel like there might be some sort of financial impact point right now with the partner that you want to meet them quickly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think on the other side of it is the more personal introduction, which is supernatural. Yeah. If you think about it. Like most people with money know a lot of financial advisors. Sure. They're friends with financial, they're everywhere, right? Right. Uh, you, you have contacts, you may already have an advisor, you may have friends that are advisors. It's not all that often that you meet a financial advisor for the first time and all of a sudden they are the one for you and you're gonna make a switch. Like it happens at the lower net worth levels, I sure. would say more so than as you get more money, you know more advisors and there's more at stake. Right. So the the power in the personal introduction is that it lets nature take its own course in terms of relationship building then my first objective is to if i again let's say i'm the advisor you're the client and you want to put me in front of your business partner jack if we're doing it over beers or at a ball game we get to naturally meet each other mm-hmm. i get to make an impression on him hopefully you as my client talk me up a little bit right. about how good i am at what i do and conscientious and how strong my team is but it's letting things happen as as uh it's letting things happen more naturally than mm-hmm. saying, I want to pitch your friend. Right. Yeah. So 
the reality is if one step at a time, I'm broadening my network. I know that over the next five years or so, my next batch of clients is gonna be one degree removed from my existing clients. Like that's the reality of it. I mean, look back over the last five years and that's probably what happened in most financial advisors' business. They, so how do we press the pace on that a little bit? Yeah. It's through this introduction, it's through one-to-one outings like uh, you know, drinks, ball games, lunch, doesn't matter. Yeah, and, and when you look at some of the research that we've done on this topic too, and the affluence willingness to introduce their financial advisor, that depth of relationship does make a difference, right? So like, I don't remember the stat right off the top of my head, but it's like 80 some odd percent say that if they have a business and social relationship, they're willing to make the introduction happen. If it's um, you know just a business relationship, it was in the 50% range, if I recall. And then with when it comes to email introductions, do you remember that stat off the top of your head? Well, it was if, you know, we, we separated that one based on whether or not they were friends with their financial advisor on Facebook or not. Oh, we that's interesting. We were doing some research on Facebook, yeah. and it was in the 90 percentile range. If they were friends on Facebook. Yeah, when they, uh, w- whether or not they would be willing to introduce you to their friends through email. So, gotcha. uh, really powerful stat. And, you know, so let, let's dive into the ask one more time. Uh, so, if I want to do it socially. Yeah. And I'm the financial advisor, you're the client, I want to meet your business partner, Jack. I might say something to you that uh, acknowledges that I want to meet this person and I want to do it in the most natural possible way, which would be through an activity that you and your business partner already do. Yeah. Right? So I'm not saying arbitrarily, let's go play golf if you two don't play golf together. I'm not saying arbitrarily, let's go for drinks when I don't know whether or not he even drinks. Right. Right. So I want to engage with you in that process and ask you about the best way to make this happen. Yeah, I like that. So you would be saying... Like in, in your scenario, you'd be saying, hey, Kevin, I'd love to meet you know, Jim. You've mentioned Jim a few times. What would be the best way to introduce me socially? Yeah. Something along those lines. Very simple. But look, you, I mean, we have a love-hate relationship when it comes to scripts because sometimes they sound very stilted and, and robotic. So you have to find your own style of doing it. Yeah, but that's one you can take to the bank. I think like, so. I memori- think so. You, you can memorize that one verbatim yeah. and say to somebody, what would Kevin, be the best way? Hey, Kevin, yeah, I'd love to meet your business partner. You, you've talked a lot about him over the years. What would be the best way to make that happen? Just something socially. What I like about that, though, is like you're brainstorming with the client in that scenario or whoever the introducer is about the best way. And they probably know the best way. Hey, yeah. you know what? Actually, they're coming over this weekend. Like, why don't you guys come over too and bring the kids? Like, there's, there, there might be a really natural way for that to happen. Or you avoid something that's clearly never going to happen. Like, if I use the example pretty often with Matt Oxley, if you wanted to meet Matt and you said, hey, let's all, uh, let's all grab a lunch, you know, me, you and Matt, you may not know this, but Matt's never having lunch with you. He's not going to. Yeah, he exercises yeah. over lunch. Right. That's what he does, right? right? So good luck. But if you said, let's let's grab a beer on Thursday afternoon, uh, yeah, maybe we can make it happen. Yeah, we're going to go to Joymongers, right? right? Or so, something along those lines. Yeah, so I think the, 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 the main point that we want to get across here in that section is that there are two options. You know, that you can do it through email. You can do it verbally. Um, both can work. Yeah. But you got to do them. Right, that's a measurable that everybody ought to have. How many times per week, per month, per year are we asking our clients to proactively put us in front of other people? But what if the client says, "Why do you want to meet them?" Right, and that's a when, it, when we're presenting, we get this question almost every single time. Right, where the advisor says, "Well, I, yeah, I, I get the concept. I get it. I source names. I have good relationships with my clients. I source names. I ask for introductions. But what if they say, "Why do you want to meet that person?" And the reality is, is that when we you rarely ever get that because your clients know why you want to meet that person, right? They're not naive. They're smart people. 
right? They say, you know, they understand it. So you rarely do get it. Well, but I if think you, if you haven't thought about your rebuttal, you can feel as if you're trying to pull one over on a client. Mm, like if, like yeah. if that ever did come up, which may like, randomly, I would say not hardly ever. Rarely. Very yeah. rarely. And we, you know, let me backtrack a little bit. I can say that we know this because we make people make calls like this at our events. Don't let this scare you off, by the way, if you're listening to this. To come to a live event? Yeah, yeah, because we will make you do some homework like that. We'll say, hey, call a client, ask them to put you in front of somebody. In between and, day one and day two. Yeah, and generally it makes everybody a little nervous. Right. But we provide a cocktail hour to ease the nerves. Yeah. And ultimately people make those calls. And the reactions are hardly ever. I can't think of a time where somebody had egg on their face. It went poorly. They were really embarrassed. No, like the reactions are always positive on the part of the client. And they're willing to help out. But we'll humor those who have that fear in their mind. And say that, you know, if, if I asked you, Kevin, to put me in front of your business partner, Jack, and you were like, hold on there, partner, what do you want to meet him for? Right. I don't have to act like, you know, this was all a way to meet, meet friends and, you know, I'd right. be weird about it. Right. Hey, ultimately, maybe we'd love to have his account, but for now, we'd just like to meet him socially just to get to know each other. Yeah, I like being upfront about it. Yeah, hey, what do you, yeah, I'd like to work with him at some point, but right, right now, I'd just love to meet him over, uh, you know, around a golf. But saying that, like, hey, I'd love to meet him over around a golf right now. What it does is it puts me a little bit at ease because in that scenario, if I'm asking that question, it's probably because I'm apprehensive and I think, gosh, if I'm going to put Steven in front of my business partner and Steven's going to pitch pitch him and I'm going to be embarrassed. Right? Like if I've been Mr. Salesperson my whole career. Right. And there may be a few listeners out there who. Well, like the advisor that. who I mentioned early on, yeah. it was just like beating up his clients for referrals. If I'm you that know? guy, yeah. then maybe I have to accompany my request with the caveat that I'm not going to talk any business. Right. Like if I've pitched you over the years consistently, I might yeah. have to say, Kevin, love to meet your business partner. Just socially, not going to talk any business with him. Just a way for me to broaden my network. Right. If that makes me feel more comfortable in asking, great. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, that's a that's a common, you know, um, I guess we would say mindset that we have to help advisors get over when it comes to coaching them on this process because it is a little it's a little nervy for them, right? They're not sure that it's a little vulnerable. You're asking for help. No one ever likes doing that. I mean, I worked with an advisor who had built his business primarily through a very transactional approach of mass seminars. And now he said, hey, I want to do relationship style marketing. And this was so out, out of comfort zone. I mean, he could get up and speak in front of a group of strangers, no problem. He could pound out cold calls, but to do this, just felt so out of comfort zone. And he did it a few times and then he realized, mm, there's a lot of buildup in his mind, all right? As opposed to, it didn't, you know, the client wasn't totally, you know, upset about this or felt weird about it. It was mostly, he made it weird more yeah. than anything else. I think if you're having trouble getting started with this mentally in a one-to-one -one fashion, think about events. Mm. You know, if, if to me, if it's uncomfortable to call you and say directly to you, and some of this is personality type, you know, that if I'm a little bit uncomfortable putting it on you like that, then I might instead say, hey, Kevin, as you know, we, we love doing client events. We're able to get back into doing some of those nowadays. I was thinking I'd love if you were able to make it to XYZ event we have coming up. We're going to, you know, we have a, a wine vendor coming in. They're going to talk to us about these wines. You know, and I was thinking this might be a really good way for us to meet your business partner. Mm -hmm. You know, we find these events to be a really uh, a nice, natural way for us to broaden our network and meet some people you're close with. Would you mind checking with him? I like, like that. Like that to me is really natural. I like that. So like a way to ease into it would be use the source names to get prospects to come to your live events. Right. Um, one other aspect I want to highlight here is um, we, we talk about this concept sometimes in, in presentations and that's polite accountability. So the idea that I go to Steven, hey Steven, can you introduce me to Matt? 
what's the most common response I'm going to get in those scenarios? And then well, how do I respond? And I'm telling you, the most common response you get is not going to be, why do you want to meet him? Like, that's no. not it. It's going to be, let me talk to Matt and I'll, and I'll get back to you. Like, that's what you're going to get in that scenario. I'm asking you to meet, introduce me to Matt. Let me talk to Matt and then I'll, I'll get back to you because you want to chat with Matt a little bit, probably check his schedule a little bit and see what's going on and see if he's open to this. When you get that, as the advisor, put a polite accountability mechanism in place. And all that means is letting the client or this whoever's the introducer know that you're serious about this introduction taking place and that I'm going to follow up with you about it. So, hey, I'd say, Stephen, I really appreciate that. Yeah, chat with Matt about it. Maybe um, I'll circle back with you on Friday. We can finalize the details. Yeah, I want to go ahead and set a tea time uh, or yes. I want to go ahead and get reservations or I want to go ahead and buy tickets. I like that. An excuse giving, is great. Like yeah. some sort of excuses. Yeah, I love that. Or at worst case, I'm, I'm just looking to firm up my calendar by Friday. I, I had a client, this is years ago when we, when we wrote the LinkedIn book and LinkedIn introductions was a big component of that book because it was the number one way that advisors were actually bringing in clients through LinkedIn. And this guy in Southern California was all about this and started asking all his clients for introductions, sourcing names through LinkedIn, and almost all of them agreed in principle. And then it was kind of crickets, like nothing was happening. And he, I remember him, his name was Bill. He came back to me and he said, well, now what do I do? Now I got to follow up. I feel weird following up. It's like, go ahead and let them know that you're going to follow up about this, right? Polite accountability. Yeah. So when you have the wheels in motion here, and, and again, we want this happening regularly. There are going to be all kinds of introductions that take place mm -hmm. based on the type of person your client is, based on the type of people they're putting you in front of, based on the venue. Like this can go in a wide variety of directions. Sure. Like so on one end of it, if you're really, uh, you know, it, you know, if you're really lucky occasionally, I go out with you and, and your business partner, you're hyping me up big time. Hey, it happens. Steven is the best financial advisor. Yeah, who are you advisor. working with? You blah, need blah, to be working with yeah. Steven, right? Sometimes you've got an advocate that'll go out that far and maybe, or maybe on Jack's side, maybe this is like a time for him. Yeah. Maybe he just took a big distribution. Maybe he just sold another business. Maybe he just inherited money. It was maybe just he, the right time. He hates his, his financial right. advisors really dropped the ball. And maybe it's just the right time and all of a sudden we, we've landed some business out of this. We want to go into it more so with the mentality, we want to go into it with the mentality that that may happen occasionally but you know that's getting lucky yeah as opposed to you know what will traditionally happen is that this is genuinely a way for me to build my network one person at a time yeah but it's that it's the the credibility transfer and i mentioned this in the very beginning that makes it so powerful because you have someone else who's basically vouching for you by making that introduction even if it's unspoken even if i like if i if i'm not necessarily as the introducer like being your biggest raving fan and saying you need to be working with steven like it's implied i'm introducing you i think enough of you as my advisor to introduce you to other people in my network. And that is what makes it so, so powerful. Now well, we have to, as consumers, we do, we value that so much that we do so much less research. And it doesn't matter if you're looking for a babysitter, yeah. uh, a house housekeeper, that's true. a yard person, yeah. a realtor. Who do if you one use? Of your, oh, if you one use of them? your good buddies. Yeah uses that person you're like oh good clearly he or she did a lot of research on that and i can trust their opinion yeah that being said there's a good chance that they'll still do some research right they'll still probably go online sure. and before they make the decision and we, we have some research that shows like 90 some odd percent of the affluent will research you online at some point during that decision making process so what they find from a digital front 
um, is going to be really important. Well, yeah, and let's be real. If I'm getting introduced through you to your friend, he's already probably looked me up before we've ever even had the first encounter. That's a good point. So that we like to say that that's your 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 first impression is typically digital, yeah. right? So when you think about the importance of, and I'm not trying to go off on a different rabbit hole, but the importance of thought leadership and having good content marketing out there, that's going to impact. Like if you're if you're if I'm introducing you to Matt. You know, and let's say, you know, in, in Matt's a, a business owner and you want to meet him. And then, you know, you, Matt, Matt looks you up online and sees that you have content specifically for business owners and that that's who you specialize in working with. And it's a lot of really good, helpful, interesting content that you uniquely put out. That makes an impression. Yeah. Think of the difference there. If Matt had binge watched a few of my videos before having met me. Yeah. He may not even tell me that that took place. He probably won't. But he thinks yeah. a lot more of me. Yeah. Probably won't. So the process itself, I mean, we, we add a lot of layers and nuances into it just from experience, you know, anecdotally working with a lot of advisors, but the process itself is pretty simple, right? It's like a good relationship with my clients at social, I source names, I ask for introductions, and I do it repeatedly. So like, so what, what are some metrics that you, we could be measuring here to make this a repeatable process? You know, starting with the beginning of the process, I would say measure the number of social engagements you have with clients. Forget the marketing angle of it, just yeah. the number of times you're out socially with clients every week. Social lunch, something simple. Yep. Right? Second component would be sourcing names. I want to like just as a team and collectively, hey, we're going to meet, you know, during our Monday morning meetings, we're going to tally up how many names did we source? Who are they tied to? And as a team, we have that conversation. So how many names are you sourcing every single week, um, every single month and so on? Uh, and third, most importantly, the ask. Yeah. Like we can't make this a game of getting ready to get ready to get ready. That my relationships just aren't quite where they should be. That I just don't know enough names because we can play those mind games and avoid the stuff that's a little less comfortable. Yeah. The ultimate there is how do we measure the number of times that we're asking? Yeah. Clear and simple number of times we're asking. Yeah. And, and understanding that not all of your asks are going to happen, right? They're not all going to pan out. But when you do enough of it, like you're absolutely going to get some introductions, meet some new people, have that credibility transfer, and it's going to be a, such a powerful one-to-one -one style marketing approach. Yeah. And you know what? And I think this goes to a broader concept that the best marketers that we know, the people that we know in this industry who bring in the most business are ones who absolutely do not have the mindset of people know who I am. They, if they need me, they'll uh, come to me. I think that that's is a not their mindset. Really good point. And we hear that all the time. People are like, "Yeah, they know what I do." You know, if they need me, no, you you make your luck happen, you're right? And yeah, yeah. you, you know, push and, the pace here. We push it. And so, if you're thinking about this concept, how to execute on it, source names, get introductions. You know, winning formula. Kevin. Do it, do it, and do it regularly. You'll you'll realize that it's not that out of comfort zone when you do it more and more. And um, gosh, such a powerful strategy. You know, just thinking for a moment here. If you really, really, really wanted to get better at this, and you wanted to get better at sourcing names, better at asking for introductions, you wanted your whole team into this, I mean, would it help, Kevin, do you think, to have a coach? Oh, I, I think so, Stephen. That seems like a really grand idea. You know, they help with accountability. They help role play with the language. You know, they've been, they've been around the block. They've been financial advisors or yeah. managers before, most of them. I, I, this is a concept that having a little bit of help with the language Having a coach to role play with can go a long way, and then having them, you know, on those calls every twice a month, they're saying, "Oh yeah, well, you said you're going to ask for an introduction to this person. Did you do it?" Having someone push you a little bit on this 
can change your career. You know what's interesting? People used to ask us at events, like, why would I, I get the concepts, we spent two days going over the concepts, why would I need a coach to go through this? Right. I'm like, well, the question is not whether or not you get it, it is in six months time, are you gonna be executing on this? Yeah. Or is this, I, oh, six days. In six days from now, are you gonna be executing on this or was it one of many good ideas you pull from a conference? Yeah, I mean, you can read a book on this. I mean, you can listen to a podcast on this topic, right? And we can, we even got to it, we got into a lot of details today on, on how to go about it. But having someone make sure that you do it and, and really also being a support for you because it is a little, it is a little nervy. Like yeah. make no bones about it. It's easy for us to talk about in a podcast and say, source a name, get an introduction. Doing it, doing it consistently, a coach can be invaluable. Yeah. It's been fun, Kevin. Yeah. Back at it, doing more shows. Feels good. And this is a topic, again, you, you said in the beginning, a core topic. It's an essential component to, to, to growth. It's just not used that often. Yeah.